Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 286. My name's Adam Patterson. I'm joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing okay. All right. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm in Georgia right now, so if my audio sounds a bit different, it's because I'm using a little bit of a portable setup that I brought with me, so apologies for any lack of quality be here from my end shows on the road <laughs> yeah here for a, a wedding family wedding so kind of came down for the wedding and then we're gonna stay a couple extra days we're we're at the beach right now so there's supposed to be like a torn there's like a tornado watch right now and it's supposed to start raining and storming and stuff but as of right now it's still pretty nice out all right, because here it went from yesterday being 90 degrees to today being freezing cold with like freezing rain. <laughs> and it's not even, it's weird because it's not, like, it's not really raining where I am. There's, it's just super windy and there's just water in the wind. <laughs> oh, if that makes sense. Oh, the yeah, water wind. <laughs> the classic <laughs> water wind. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, um, the weather has been hellish. Down here, it's been okay. Like, the first day that we were here, we came down on Wednesday. It was a little... It wasn't that warm. I mean, it was definitely warmer than up up back up north. Uh, but then, like, Thursday and, and yesterday were okay. Friday was okay. Um, but it's it's pretty nice out now. Like, I can be out... I can go out on the beach. Like, the water's way too cold, but the beach is still pretty nice. So, it's been a nice, relaxing trip thus far. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be talking about Lynn Ramsey's latest, You Were Never Really Here, along with someone we'll be watching on the watch list, previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, now, I talked about You Were Never Really Here a little bit last week on the show, and my prediction, if I recall, was that you were not going to be a fan of this one, even though you liked some of her previous films. You liked, uh, when you talk about Kevin, you liked Ratcatcher, and you liked uh, that earlier one she did that I, keep, no, I always forget the name <laughs> of. Uh, yeah, before in Kalar. Yes, which one. I think it was her. That was her second film. Yes, yeah, I like. Yeah, I've liked everything so far, up until this now, point. But guess what? So we'll <laughs> we'll start. A, okay, wait, hold, hold on. Let me read the synopsis before we get into it. Um, so this this is the one that stars Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, I have the synopsis here. A traumatized veteran, unafraid of violence, tracks down missing girls for a living. When a job spins out of control, Joe's nightmares overtake him as a conspiracy is uncovered, leading to what may be his death trip or his awakening. Either one. We don't really know <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, so, no no in-between. No possible in-between it, here. It's one or two. It's either a death spectrum. trip or an awakening. <laughs> That's it. No right. in-between. So, was my prediction correct? Yes, it was 100% correct. <laughs> I did not like this. Uh, it, it got off to a good start. I will say that. I was, I mean, early right, on. So, they, so, 
the film opens with him rescuing a girl. So you, it's quickly established like what his profession is. And just the way that she goes about it is, you know, him just kind of like tidying up afterwards. And then him, I love the, the, how the camera like comes down into the lobby and comes around the corner and kind of tilts and sees the cop car and then kind of dips back behind the corner and pulls back far enough that it's now behind Joaquin Phoenix. Like a lot of the, these, like, uh, a lot of the, the filmmaking towards the beginning, I was just like, I'm in. I like this. I like this already. Especially him in, like in the taxi with the taxi driver and how he's kind of singing along to the song and how they do the title sequence. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then even, you know, kind of earlier on too with like the, well, even throughout actually, I thought the sound design was fantastic and the sound editing with his with his kind of flashbacks and the PTSD mm-hmm. and everything. I thought that that was done yeah. exceptionally well. Uh, I enjoyed Johnny Greenwood's score. Um, yeah. But like, the, this is nothing like the, the, I don't know if it's more, if it's more of a fault of the, the, the material that it's based on. Cause it is, which I, this surprised the hell out of me that this is based on a book written by Jonathan Ames who's the guy behind bored to death bored to death yeah what I I mean like a a large part of me wants to just put most of the blame on him I think because this is just such a nothing of a story yeah I completely agree um there's there's just not a lot going on here I appreciated sort of what they were going for with it um, I like the idea of this sort of tortured soul who um, he c- can really only derive any kind of, it doesn't even seem like he derives any kind of satisfaction out of life by doing this job. It just seems like that's what keeps him from just killing himself. Basically, yeah. that just, that gives him a reason to wake up every yeah. day. And I mean, and, and I, I sort of like that. And I like the sort of the broad concept of a man who does this for a living. Like that that's pretty intriguing. Yeah. But like you said, they just don't really do that much with it. When like the sort of the main plot, um him rescuing this girl and then what happens afterwards, unfortunately like the whole conspiracy thing like it says in the synopsis, it's not that interesting <laughs> at all. Like there's no there's no big twists or revelations. There's a twist, but it's not interesting. No, and that's that was that's a weird turn of events too. It's because like it's not it is a conspiracy, but at the same time it's not because it's not yeah dealt with as a conspiracy. Nothing's uncovered, really. Right. It's just you know he has no idea what's going on. We really don't know what's going on too much. Out of like they give you like broad strokes. Like everything in this movie is just broad strokes, really. Here's here's a specific thing that I didn't really quite get. So he gets hired to re- uh, find this this the daughter of a senator, right? Mm-hmm. And the senator's like, all I have to go on is this text message with an address, and it's like, did I miss something in that? Who sent that? Who sent the text message with the exact address of the girl 
for him to just go pick her up. Yeah, I have. It's bizarre. Was it, it like an inf- like somebody within the house, like an informant type thing, or did the daughter somehow obtain a, a phone and send it, or what? Like, what was the deal with that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know really, because it almost you almost got the sense that it was perhaps a setup, but but, but the people at that's the house what I were, thought. <laughs> they were not prepared at all. It's like no one told the people at the house that they're like, oh, by the yeah. way, we're setting this guy up. Because <laughs> like I thought it was a setup like at first too. Up. Yeah, I thought it was a setup at first too, but I didn't understand what the point of the setup was yeah, like because I, just, I didn't really see what the end game was there because when the the and i'm using air quotes you can't see me though when the conspiracy is uncovered you immediately assume <clears throat> okay the the senator that hired him he had to know what was going on like it just it just sounded like this is something that they always did yeah, that see that's what I wasn't <laughs> sure about. I didn't know if he was if he was aware that this was happening or or what. He totally and, was. And if and if he really wanted to even get his daughter back? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's not interesting. I mean, like you said there is <laughs> There is a, a slightly intriguing angle with him. And I mean, I do like the way in which it's handled with his PTSD and his flashbacks. Like the, like I said, the sound design with like the voices and how it, you would hear the voices in his head kind of, and he would react to them. And then there would be the flashbacks that were kind of jolting and everything. But even that just felt, Again, it's like it's broad strokes where like the stuff with his dad, you really don't get a sense of what's going on there because the flashbacks don't really show you much. And then the stuff of him being deployed overseas, you don't really get a sense of. And then with, I guess, was he working for like the FBI or something with the the women in the the tractor trailer? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who he was working for during that whole operation. Yeah, it just seems like a really just rudimentary uh, kind of depiction of PTSD. Just for the sake of, like, to justify him and his ball-peen hammer. And his uh, predilection for suffocating himself. Yeah. That's that's what it it just... uh. And then the end... The end to me was kind of, that kind of pissed me off, too. A little, yeah, it was pretty abrupt. It Well, it just felt cheap, too. It was just, you know, with them sitting at the diner. And I did like how, like, the, all the voices came in, when, like, when she left the table. And you just mm-hmm. kind of hear everyone. But then it was just cheap with, like, what happens and then what doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that... I think that this was maybe a little bit of style over substance. I, I like I like a lot of the the look. I love the Johnny Greenwood score. I thought that the way that they handle I mean, it's a violent movie. It's it's a movie that uh I think handles violence in a really 
um, interesting way where, like I said last week, you don't necessarily see all of the violence taking place. Uh, a lot of what you see is sort of the aftermath of the violence. And especially the, the, in the, in the house, when he infiltrates yeah. the house, how it kind of, it's just what you're seeing is the, the security footage and it's just like cycling through the cameras. So yeah. you don't always pick up with what's going on. And I really liked that. I think a lot of times that makes it more impactful when you, when you see it in that, in that way. Yeah. But so, so in that, in that regard, I mean, I did, I did like the movie. Okay. I thought it was, it was all right. But um, at this point I'm like two weeks removed from it and I'm already forgetting large chunks of it and it's definitely not going to be one that that really sticks with me that's for sure no and it just again it feels i don't want to say just, well, they're, so like they're <laughs> like joaquin joaquin phoenix's character like they they did attempt to develop that character with with the flashbacks and i thought that the flashbacks were done uh in in I like how they did that because it was almost this kind of surreal, trippy, like nightmarish, um, these, these flashbacks that he was dealing with. So I think that there was, and then plus they established like his relationship with his mom. So I think that there was like character development there, but I frankly didn't find his character that interesting. Like he just didn't seem like that interesting of a, of a character to spend time with. To be to to begin with, like he was, he's very soft spoken. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue, and then like, of course, the girl he rescues barely speaks two words the entire movie. Yeah. So the dialogue is very sparse. So you said there's not a lot to latch on to with that either. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, and like you, like you said, I I do, I was impressed with the way the flashbacks were handled. Because it did really, it it gave you this sense of like how they, kind of capturing how they would creep into his mind and kind of take over and how he would fight back against it. But again, it just felt like an excuse for him to hit people with a hammer. Yeah, pretty much. Wonder how he chose the hammer. Did, Did, was that? His dad. Oh, yeah. That's right. He's got this attachment to a ball-peen hammer. All he knows is violence. He's known violence his entire life. That's all he knows. He's just bathed in violence from an early age. It's the only fucking language he speaks. Is violence. Kicking ass. Just crushing people's skulls. Crushing heads. Alright, so that's, uh, you were never really here. Not, not a big fan of the title either, honestly. No. A little bit of a blah title. This is a disappointment. And the thing that, like, this irritates me. This isn't a part of the movie. But I'm on the IMDb page, right? As I usually do for note purposes. And, like, the little poster thing on the side has a hashtag bring the hammer. Which is like, what? Yeah, to me that just doesn't fit with the movie. Like I understand the no. the hammer, but this isn't like a genre action 
right film like this this is this is a serious like art house thriller it's it's trying i don't even know if i yeah i don't even know if i'd call (laughs) it a thriller it's it's like a just a violent drama yeah it just feels kind of sick to be like hashtag bring the hammer (laughs) you know ball peen hammer that's crushing people's skulls in yeah i mean the, the the violence in this movie is never glorified and it is very realistic and brutal and yeah. nothing in this movie is light. You know, there's, I, just, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some comedic moments, but they're, ve- they're very few and far between and they're never, they're never uh, centered around violence. No. And I just want to know who okayed this. It was like, yes, put it on there. Some hey. marketing person at Amazon <laughs> yeah. studios, I guess. Hashtag bring the hammer. Yeah, that's awful. It's so awful. What the fuck, man? (laughs) Oh, my God. I got to check Twitter now to see who's using hashtag bring the hammer. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's give this a score. I'm going to give it a man. See, now after talking about it. I realized that I didn't say that much positive about it, but I gave it a six. <laughs> that happens. You know, it happens. I would also like to point out that I guess I can't do a a review on the podcast without pointing out the runtime, but I was really excited going in because I was like, damn, another short movie. This is fucking great. Love yeah, this, this is like, but this is a slog. Yeah. It does not feel it like is. an hour it re- and a half. It, yeah, it really is. It really is. It, it, it's only 90 minutes, but it feels... it. it you, I don't know what's... It definitely feels longer. Mm-hmm. But I will agree. There, I think that there is a trend with these shorter run times. A lot of these movies are clocking in right at, right at 90 minutes. And I, I don't know if I said it on the air. I think I told you off the air. I saw Michael Tully's new movie... Um, and he, it was, a he, he introduced it at the screening I went to and he was very proud to announce that he cut it down to 90 minutes just because he knew that everyone was tired of really long run, run time. So he made sure that his movie was exactly 90 minutes. Hmm. I appreciated that. Yeah. I hope more people do that. Uh, so what are you going to give this thing? I give it like a four. Mm, four four out of ten. Four, four and a half. Four and a half? Okay. Hashtag so you were never really here. Uh, you were never really here is playing in limited release right now. It is an Amazon Studios movie, so I would expect to see it. Um, so it's in select cities now. It opens wide April 20th. So it'll probably be playing in your area April 20th. And then probably a a month or so after it'll it'll pop up on amazon because i think the turnaround time for the amazon studios movies is slightly shorter than regular releases gotcha let's move on and talk about something we're watching on the watch list as i said i was traveling this week so i don't have a whole lot to talk about i can talk about isle of dogs though because uh, I don't know if you're going to see that whenever or not. That's playing. That went wide this weekend. It did. So I'll I'll talk about it. I, I'm sure we'll talk about it again 
uh, on the show, hopefully, at some point. But I will say that I enjoyed Isle of Dogs. This is, if you're not familiar, the latest by Wes Anderson. It's the stop-motion animated film. I will say that comparing it to Fantastic Mr. Fox, I liked it less than Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. I thought that... I thought the Fantastic Mr. Fox was far more funny uh, than than Isle of Dogs for some reason. I don't know what it was, but Isle of Dogs just... I, I mean, I laughed a handful of times, but I just didn't find it nearly... I didn't find the dialogue and the the writing nearly as funny. as. And same with the visual gags. Just didn't really find them... They, they didn't hit for me as hard as Fantastic Mr. Fox did. Uh, that being said... This does have the Wes, An- Wes Anderson trademark all over it. I mean, just you, you're very aware that this is a Wes Anderson film, and it looks gorgeous. The animation is top notch. I mean, holy shit! The, the like the faces and the just the movements of the dogs just the, 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 it's so realistic in their movements, and it's really mu- it's pretty mind-blowing how good the the uh, stop motion is with this movie uh, my favorite character was tilda swinton's character she is a pug and her name's the oracle she's the oracle <laughs> she's definitely my favorite but i really enjoyed it i thought it was uh i don't know i had very high expectations so i, I think that it didn't quite meet my expectations but I still enjoyed it quite a bit, so I'd recommend checking out Isle of Dogs. This, like this movie for me, like I don't really have expectations, and even though it's a Wes Anderson film, just judging by the stop motion animation, which I'm a fan of, it looks great. I like the look of it, and the fact that it's just dogs, I just know that regardless if it's good or bad. I feel as though I'm just going to be happy watching it. Right. And that, and that's kind of the thing. Like I, I don't find like the story to me was like, it was okay, but there was just enough little moments in there that just like feel, just feel good moments that made me happy. And that's really all I could want. There you go. And also it, there were, I mean, it's PG 13, so it's it's not like a kids movie, and there were there were just a couple things that happened that was like kind of surprising. Huh. Well, I for one am looking forward to it. Yeah, I also watched something that I was looking forward to for the past several years, and that's Andrew <laughs> here we go. Andrew son who's whereas Kira finally found the time to watch this. Unfortunately, it was long after I was supposed to watch it. But, uh, so this is his, I think, third feature. I could be wrong. I think he has some documentaries in there, too. But uh, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, Kiefer Sutherland, all right? And it has, if you're familiar with his last movie, Mother of George, it has the same writer and the same cinematographer. So you have Bradford Young who apparently still makes time for him, even though he's doing Star Wars movies now. And then Darcy Picoult does the the screenplay. Now, in Mother of George, 
is a great screenplay and it gave this fantastic opportunity for uh, Danae Guerrera to have this unbelievable performance. And kind of the same thing here where Michelle Pfeiffer does a fantastic job. She's absolutely phenomenal in this movie. Um, the only issue with this is the like the narrative of it, the plot. Once it, it, it kind of just plateaus. Like once it hits what she does in order to maintain her lifestyle, which isn't that great to begin with. Uh, number one, she, she's older. She's not able to find a job. No one wants to hire her. She lives in New York. Her mother passes away and she just, she can't find income. She can't find any source of income. So she goes to, she kind of does this, uh, <clears throat> this desperate attempt to make some money and, uh, it works out and she keeps doing it. So once that's kind of established, it just kind of repeats itself from there on out. It's just like her not wanting to do it, but she can't find anything, so she does it. Her not wanting to do it, but she can't find any income, so she does it. And it just keeps going and going. And it just becomes a bit repetitive after a while. Even though she is fantastic, even though Bradford Young's cinematography is great, it just becomes a bit stale after a while which is rather unfortunate because it starts mm. off really strong i mean you still have it's still able to hold you here and there with the cinematography like the ending shot of this movie is just absolutely gorgeous um but yeah unfortunately it just kind of repeats itself after a while which is a shame but damn michelle pfeiffer fucking fantastic in this movie so you should watch it at least nice. for that. Yeah, that and... I mean, Bradford Young never disappoints, really. At least to me. No, me neither. He's, he's amazing. All right, so that's where is... Is it Kyra or Kira? We... Kira. Where is Kira? Kira? Okay. All right. I saw a movie called Happy Anniversary. This is a Netflix original. <laughs> I watched this on the plane. Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, net net with Netflix, you can download, select things to your devices. So, you know, before I got on the plane, I was like, oh, I'm going to download some stuff to watch. And this was kind of the first thing I saw that I was like, I don't know, I'll give it a look. It seems like an okay plane watch. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, if I'm on a plane, I don't want to watch anything that I'm really excited about because... It's on an iPad and I'm on a plane. It's, you know, I don't want to, can't devote a hundred percent of myself to mm -hmm. it. So when I'm on planes, I'll watch movies that I wouldn't normally set aside time to watch. Okay. So this was the one that I chose directed <laughs> by Jared Stern. It's a romantic comedy with uh, Noel Wells and Ben Schwartz. And I like both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I hated, I hated this movie though. It is very bad. It is a very, very bad movie in that it's, in that it's exactly what you would expect from a Netflix romantic comedy. There's nothing to it. There's just nothing going on in this movie. It's about a couple who they end up, they break up on the, their third, it's their third um, anniversary 
Okay. And they break up on their third anniversary because Noel Wells decides that she's not happy anymore. And then it, it sort of flashes back to different moments in their relationship. So it'll be good moments and it'll be like fights that they got in and stuff. And then, uh, eventually guess what? Uh, they are brought back together through a series of events. What? And it's just so humdrum and boring and not funny at all. And yeah, I cannot recommend this one. The only sort of saving grace to this movie is Joe Pantoliano's in it. And he plays, um, he plays uh, Noel Wells dad and he's great in it, but man, everything else is just such a snooze, such a snooze fest. (laughs) I really could not stand this movie. I really couldn't stand it. You watched the whole thing. I did. I well, yeah. I watched the whole. Th- it's only it's only uh, seventy eight minutes, so it's not even. It's well, not long. At least it has the decency to be short. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. Sound. It's just so bland. Like, there's nothing special about it at all. Yeah, this sounds awful. Just absolutely awful. Just another Netflix. Another Manila folder. <laughs> bunch of Manila fold. They're just stacking them up over there. Just a bunch of fucking empty Manila folders. <laughs> this is one of <laughs> 900 new releases this year. and <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say at least 875 of those 900 are going to be nothing. But I, the other thing that I like about them being able to throw out that number that uh, them being Netflix and the way that they roll out these movies is they can say they're coming out with 900 original features and you just kind of have to take the word for it. Cause I bet you like 200 of them don't even exist. It's actually yeah. 700, but you're not going to be able to root through all the pages of Netflix to try and find all of them. No one's going to do that. So they can just throw out any number they want. Yeah, it's funny the the uh, what you call it, uh, Lost in Space came out on Netflix this weekend, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of bored. Uh, give that a look and see see what that's all about. I had no expectations for it. I'm not interested in it, but I knew it came out, or at least I thought it did. And I go into my Netflix app on my iPad. And I can't find that fucker anywhere. I had to actually open up a search and search for it. And I was like, oh, it did come out. I know that. <laughs> Which, by the way, I only I only caught the first episode of it. But it's pretty good. I mean, it was movie quality. It does not feel like a TV show. But I, I might actually watch more of that. Yeah, I mean, there's just... That's what it seems like it is. Uh, so many times I'll get on there and I can't find it fucking anywhere. And I have to do the same thing. You have to search for it. And it just seems Which like... Which is utterly ridiculous. It seems so counterintuitive. Like, this is their original programming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand if they wanted to, like, I don't know, a kind of hide a competitor's movie or something that was on there. But, yeah, it's unbelievable. But yet, they'll have, like, a whole row... 
that just goes on forever like super big boxes of like all their original stand-up comedy specials yeah or or uh, the, the whole like watch it again thing. yeah <laughs> and i'm like why do i want to watch it again i already watched it <laughs> fuck you show me the new stuff show me the stuff that just came out and then it'll be like there's like that new release section that has stuff that's like five months old yeah and it's like i know you came out with like a hundred things since that thing came out yeah it seems like they're slightly getting better at that where they'll have the the big thing at the top where it's like we released or we added you know 67 new titles and you can click on that and see what it is but the new release of stuff is still a fucking nightmare. Well, I just noticed it was after I had to search for the the um, Lost in Space thing. I noticed that on the iPad app, at least, there's like a little kind of hamburger menu that you can tap. And it will say there's like a, actually a section for Netflix originals now. You can tap that and it'll have like the newest ones at the top. So it seems like they are getting a little bit better with the organization, but <laughs> it just it shouldn't be that much of an issue. I just don't yeah. understand how it's so difficult with a lot. Of I don't these, get it either. Like Netflix has that problem, and then <clears throat> if you have Filmstruck, they have like their website is just completely on net navigable because it's just it's a fucking nightmare it's awful and it's just absolute shit and it's like how hard is it to make a nice well so, functional yeah highly functional and, and, website like and some of them have far. gotten worse like some of them used to be good and then they got shitty like the hulu uh apple tv app is awful now it used to be okay but now it's so bad. I, I don't know what they're thinking with that Hulu app on Apple TV, at least. Now, I noticed on the Hulu website, if you if you log into your Hulu account and use the beta layout for Hulu, that's better. That's like significantly better. But that's just yeah, I don't I don't get it. I think Shutter Shutter does a pretty good job of their stuff. And I recently signed up for YouTube TV. Uh, I did a trial of that, and mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Like, I'm I'm very pleased with that layout. That's a it's a good layout. Yeah, I I was able to check out. This has not come out yet, and uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that it never will. So, not sure, but pretty sure it's never going to come out, which is a shame. But it's called Girls Always Happy. Now. The first uh, astonishing thing is it's a fucking debut, which is, if you're able to see it, do it. It's incredible. I can't believe this is a debut, really. Um, It's about two hours. It's Chinese um, debut from Yang Mingming. And it is, she plays a woman like in her mid-20s or so that lives with her mom. Her mom is played by uh, Nyan, and both of them do a fantastic job. And it's just this unbelievable um, kind of look at their mother-daughter relationship and how they kind of navigate the space of them but living with each other. And <clears throat> it's just, it's really, it's quick shifting where it, they're just, 
they're kind of bickering with each other, but it's kind of playful and they're kind of teasing each other. And then the next thing you know, they're trading barbs with each other and just fucking going at it. And it gets really emotional, but there's always this like through line of humor throughout the movie that they always kind of come back to, even though they kind of do get a little bit vicious with each other because more so it just seems like they just kind of get sick of each other being in close quarters all the time. Um, But man, it is remarkable. And it's just, it's a shame because I'm pretty sure probably not going to see it. Probably never going to come out. But man, Mm. I hope it does because it's phenomenal. Hopefully it'll play more festivals maybe. I'm hoping. It played, played Berlin and I think Hong Kong. So hopefully it'll play a couple more and kind of pick up steam. But this is the, like, as I was watching it, my first thought was, damn, how did new directors, new films pass up this? Like, this is... Uh, maybe, maybe it wasn't submitted. Maybe not, but man, they should be out there looking for stuff, fuckers. <laughs> Get out there, well, start searching so, shit. Some of, yeah, I mean, the lineup this year, some of their things were a little questionable. Yeah, it's just it, I think uh, I don't know. I it I'm just kind of getting like a little bit bitter. I think with some of those things and like with with Can coming out, where it's like, it did you see seem, that lineup? Well, it always what, seems what's like going it's, on. It's the same fucking people all the time. Like we only talk about like the same directors over and over again. Well, the can just, lineup is abysmal this year. At least in my, at least that's what it looks like. Yeah, me. there was there's like the, 19 competition movies. That's it. Yeah, there and wasn't a like lot Do- of it. Dolan. They they accepted Dolan's new movies and new movie, and he said he didn't want to premiere it there. He pulled out, <laughs> which is funny because all pretty I think pretty much all of his movies since his very first movie premiered there. Yeah. Almost all of them. I think there was like one or two that he actually didn't submit. But yeah, it's very, very weird. And I know it's like way too early for me to be talking about it, but but Tribeca starts next week and that lineup is not really wowing me either. Yeah. We've talked about it before as far as Asian films in American film festivals, specifically like the the broader American film festivals. Now you have Asian film festivals that obviously are specifically those from that area, but yeah, you know, like the 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 broader ones like Tribeca and Sundance and and um, even South by Southwest. Like they they don't normally usually there's like one Asian film in there, yeah, you know, one and or which, two. Like they they don't they don't put a lot in there, which is wild. Like and we're talking about Asian films. You're not even talking about like uh, South Asian films, like you know Indian films and stuff. Like oh, they're right, not yeah. even represented. I mean, that, that's at even all. That's even worse. Yeah, it's just like this. A girl's always happy. Um, I don't normally do this. I'm not a fan of doing this, but it's a lot. Think of Lady Bird, but if Lady Bird was uh, mid twenty something, it, it's well, you kind of it's kind of it's a lot like that. But I think it's you, better. 
You definitely have me intrigued, and that poster also has me intrigued because it is a really creepy poster. It's it's a great poster, but the movie's not creepy at all. So don't get that. It's actually it's quite funny, but it's you know there's also that dramatic aspect to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be keeping an eye on this. That's girls always happy. Uh, anything else for you before we move on? Nope, that's it. All right, let's mosey on to new releases. So theaters this week we have, and then I go, which is uh, Justin Long's in that. I'm not super familiar with that. What you're gonna see this week is not a whole lot. I think uh, most things are getting out of the way for Avengers. That's that's gonna be next week. Oh, okay. So I th- so I think this week is going to be light, and then next week is pretty much just Avengers. So, uh, so we have, and then I go. We got Super Troopers two coming out. I know a lot of people love Super Troopers. I hated that movie, and uh, so naturally, I have no interest in the sequel at all. Yeah, it didn't. No. no. Just did not. I, it just didn't didn't uh, strike my fancy like so many other people. I, I don't. I'm not sure what it was, but I just. I remember Ryan loved it and insisted that I watch it, and I watched it, and I was just like, nope, not for me. <laughs> there was like that one that opening scene when they pull the the kids, the the like twenty somethings over. Like that that opening scene was funny, but the rest of the movie, I just yeah, it didn't grab me. Uh, speaking of not funny, we have Amy Schumer's new movie, I Feel Pretty, coming out. Uh, this one does not look this one does not look good at all. Why is Amy Schumer still a thing? <laughs> I don't know. But this this one just definitely does not. I saw a trailer for it and I was just like, nah. Yeah, uh, we got traffic coming out. This is uh, I think Omar Epps is in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, look looks looks pretty generic actually it doesn't look that great got ghost stories now this is one that i would recommend seeing i love the marketing material for this movie by the way they have come out with some fantastic posters for this movie um if you look at the one on rotten tomatoes it's particularly awesome yeah i would definitely recommend seeing ghost stories i believe that that's going to be on vod too if i'm not mistaken so check that out that's it's a really interesting horror anthology that's that's based on a stage play okay Uh, so yeah give that a look got an animated film called duck duck goose oh never never heard of that at all it's the first i'm reading that title kodachrome it's with jason sudeikis and ed harris this is a uh, netflix movie so It's like about uh, like Ed Harris plays uh, this guy who has this old uh, roll of film that he takes to the the Kodak factory to get developed before it closes or something. And uh, Jason Sudeikis plays his father. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Jason Sudeikis <laughs> plays his son who accompanies him on the trip. So it's like a road trip movie, sort of. Uh, not too too into that one that i am very interested in is the the devil and father of morth Ooh, this yeah. is the this is the william freakin documentary about the the real life priest who 
um, was the inspiration for The Exorcist. So very interested in this. Basically, William Freakin follows uh, this priest around and he actually films one of his exorcisms. He's still a practicing exorcist in Rome and he follows him to an, an actual exorcism and really, really interested in seeing that. So very excited for that one. We have Little Pink House. That's with Catherine Keener. Not too familiar with what's going on in that movie, but it doesn't really look like it'd be my thing. Uh, a movie called Corbin Nash. Corey Feldman, Malcolm McDowell. Oh, boy. Well, that's Action. all we need to know. Oh, right. Action. Rutger Hauer's in it, too. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm not sure about that one. You're going to watch I know you're going to watch it. Next weekend, mm, you're going to be like... Maybe. It's I also Corbin Nash. <laughs> you're going to be like... I think it might be a vampire thing. <laughs> yep, it looks uh, like... The plot keywords are police, friendship, violence, female nudity, vampire. Oh, Tag, Tagline, there's a new player in town. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty much it for theaters. So not not a whole lot going on. Hold up. Corbin Nash is coming to theaters? <laughs> the according <laughs> according to, to this, yes, it is. But I don't know. Maybe it might be one theater. I, I have not received any emails about it, so I don't know anything about this this thing. I don't, it seems like one that would be ending up on VOD as well, but I cannot confirm that. Hmm. Speaking of VOD, got a couple things. Got a couple Monday releases. So tomorrow, the 16th, um, we got Opening Night and I Am Evidence. I Am Evidence is a documentary on HBO about uh, rape kits in the United States and how the there's this insane backlog of rape kit testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very, very fascinating documentary. It's produced by um, Mariska Hargitay. And I, I would recommend checking that out if you have uh, HBO. Opening night uh, is some sort of comedy with Topher Grace and like, looks like Rob Riggle's in there too. That does not... I don't, I don't know too much about that. Then on Tuesday we have Russian Doll, which is uh, some sort of thriller. Uh-huh. We got Hashtag Screamers. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds screamers. Guys, don't use hashtags in your movie titles. It's 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 done. We're Hashtag done with that. Screamers. Wait, from 2016? That's probably, yeah. It's uh two internet gurus investigate the authenticity of a series of hashtag screamers videos. Oh, they're they're confronted with havoc and hell they could never expect. <laughs> uh yeah. Doesn't look great. And we also have Tempest Tormentum, which is another horror film. Not too familiar with that. Maybe, maybe like, looks like maybe a slasher. People, people, it looks like sort of a strangers sort of ripoff, maybe. People, people getting hunted by psychopaths that one of them is dressed as a clown and. Mm hmm. Somebody named Slashmouth. 
<laughs> slash mouth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Slash mouth. And then on the 20th, we have Kodachrome. That's all I got for VOD. Let's check out what's coming out on Blu-ray this week. This is for April 17th. We got The Post coming out. That's the Spielberg one. I'd recommend checking that out. I don't know if it's worth buying, but I enjoyed it. Got The Commuter. That's the Liam Neeson action movie that looks incredibly generic. Here's a big one. We got The Skulls from 2000. I feel like every couple of months, The Skulls gets a new release. It's just one of those random movies. There's there's like just certain movies that seem to always get released. Like out of all the thousands of movies, The Skulls that, always that, ends up getting is, released is and the re-released. Skull- is the skulls like a? Is that like a big cult classic? I know I don't ever. I, maybe see, it is. Maybe it is. But I also never see anyone discussing the skulls. No, you don't see it too much. Are they just desperately trying to make it a thing? I feel like it's too new to be a cult classic. I mean, it did come out in two thousand. It's eighteen years old, but I feel like cult classics are usually older. It takes more time. But, I don't know, maybe maybe it's turning into one. I thought that movie was a piece of shit. Now, there's just, there's no way that that, I don't think it contains anything that could make it a cult classic. <laughs> uh, one of my, I, I just, I love plot keywords for IMDb. Because for the Skulls from 2000. The plot keyword, the number one plot keyword is released in 2000 on USA. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that a major plot point? <laughs> that it was released in the year 2000 on oh, USA? And by, I don't understand the on USA. Like, is that a typo? Is it supposed to be in USA? Or was this released on the USA on the network? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I doubt that it would be on USA in the same year that it originally came out. Just, I love it. That's a major plot point of the skulls. Uh, okay. That's the skulls. Arrow is pu- putting out the uh, Seijun Suzuki. Uh, this is a collection. It's the early years, volume two. Okay. Uh, I, I Let me Hell see if yeah. I can find... Oh, yes. What movies are located are in this thing? So it uh, includes a bunch of titles. These are his crime and action movies, including Eight Hours of Terror, The Sleeping Beast Within, Smashing the O Line from 1960, Tokyo Nights from 1961, and then The Man with a Shotgun from 1961. Hell yeah. I was going to buy that Arrow edition of. Um, Deep Red. Mm-hmm. That's like 50 bucks. And I was mm. just like, man, I'll get it at some point. But Damn. I'm going to hold off for a little bit. And it's a limited edition, too. So I think that like it's one of those deals where once it sells out, it's only going to be available on eBay and it's going to be worth even more. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I might pick that up because I've been hankering to watch rewatch some Deep Red. Got Camp Nowhere from 1994. I feel like we had Ryan watch that at some point, maybe. It sounds familiar. Deep Blue Sea 2, which is interesting because I could have sworn Deep Blue Sea 2 came out 
like a like a while ago, like when the first Deep Blue Sea came out, like maybe a year or two later. But no, this is new. This just came out in 2018. Oh, for real? Yeah. How when, when did Deep Blue Sea come out? I feel like that was like early 2000s. Huh. I liked. I, I was a fan of Deep Blue Sea. I thought it was just campy and fun enough where it was like it didn't take itself too seriously but it wasn't like sharknado levels of camp yeah 1999 was the original deep blue sea and i don't know if you saw the trailer for the meg uh or or the poster which is a fantastic poster for the meg love it but man i'm excited for that movie i think it's gonna be really fun i think it's gonna be the next uh piranha not piranha 3 double d <laughs> the the original piranha 3d which was incredible all right we got the egg and i from 1947 getting a blu-ray release i just uh-huh. read that title because it sounds interesting the egg and i the egg and i yeah chester erskine got autofocus from uh 2002. Oh, autofocus. yeah. I remember that one. That's going to be out on Twilight Time. So that's a, that's a Twilight Time release. Okay. I was a big fan of that one. I think you were, too. We both love some autofocus. I don't remember a goddamn thing from that movie. <laughs> I remember very little. Very little. Uh, a Taxi Driver from 2017 is coming out. I was a big fan of that one. That's the uh, South Korean film. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Captain Corelli's Mandolin from 2001. Oh, yeah. Classic yeah. Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, Day of the Reaper from 1984 coming out. Not familiar with that one. It's a horror movie. Looks like a slasher. That's pretty much it for notable releases. What do we have as far as Criterions this week? We got two. Uh, we have Lou McCary's The Awful Truth from 1937 with Cary Grant. Apparently, this is the role that defined Cary Grant. So you got that. And then you also have The Color of Pomegranates from 1969, which I must say, the cover for the criterion for The Color of Pomegranates is absolutely wonderful. Might be the best of the year so far. From Criterion. Whoever did that, bravo. Yeah, I'm taking a look at it now. It's pretty awesome. Love it. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.